Hi there, and welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming busy minds. I have a message for you from BetterHelp, a sponsor for our podcast. This is intended for our older listeners. For many listening to our podcast, going for a walk, or other rather simple measures can improve their quality of life. But for many, this may not be enough. Whenever there is anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp may be able to help you. BetterHelp offers online counselors that are trained to help you. And you can talk to your counselor in a private online environment at your own convenience. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in areas such as marriage and relationship conflict, stress, depression and anxiety, difficulty sleeping, self-esteem, and more. There's a lot of value in professional counseling. If you think professional help could ease whatever you are going through right now, check out BetterHelp. First, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and sleep tight, relaxed listeners will get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sleep tight. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash sleep tight. Talk to a therapist online and get help today. Thank you to BetterHelp. So, let's get ourselves in just the right mindset for our cozy return to the story of Peter Pan, narrated by Cheryl. Turn the lights down and... Find your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. You might position your pillows or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Before climbing into bed, try taking a few big stretches. You don't have to do a lot, just reach as high as you can your hands above your head, just try to remove some of the tension from your body. Take a few deep belly breaths, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Take as deep a breath as you can and hold ever so slightly and then you can relax.
Every night we all go through our individual paths to sleep, our routine. My routine, and I feel routine is important, was taught to me and shared with my kids and now you. For me, that routine starts with tidying up my environment, getting things ready for a new day, some reading, stretching and deep breathing. And I love listening to a good story or the simple sounds of nature. The important thing is to find what works for you and the more you stick and repeat the effective patterns that tend to encourage good sleep, the easier the process will become. It's wonderful that listening to our podcast is part of that process. Hopefully, listening to Cheryl's narration of Peter Pan is the final step to a night filled with sweet dreams. I hope you have a deep and restful sleep. Feeling that Peter was on his way back, the Neverland had again woke into life. We ought to use the blue perfect and say wakened, but woke is better and was always used by Peter. In his absence, things are usually quiet on the island. The ferries take an hour longer in the morning, and when pirates and lost boys meet, they merely bite their thumbs at each other. But with the coming of Peter, who does not like lethargy, they are underway again. If you put your ear to the ground now, you would hear the whole island seething with life. I do wish Peter would come back, every one of the lost boys said. There was Tootles, Nibs, Slightly, Curly, and the twins. It was only in Peter's absence that they could speak of mothers, the subject being forbidden by Peter as silly. All I remember about my mother, Nibs told them, is that she often said to my father, Oh, how I wish I had a checkbook of my own. I don't know what a checkbook is, but I should just love to give my mother one. While they talked, they heard a distant sound. You or I not being wild things of the woods, would have heard nothing. But they heard it, and it was the grim song. Yo-ho, yo-ho, the pirate life. The flag of skull and bones, a merry hour, a hempen rope, and hay for Davy Jones.
once the Lost Boys. But where are they? They are no longer there. Rabbits could not have disappeared more quickly. I will tell you where they are. With the exception of Nibs, who has darted away to look around, they are already in their home under the ground, a very delightful residence of which we shall see a good deal presently. But how have they reached it? For there is no entrance to be seen, not so much as a large stone which is rolled away would to close the mouth of a cave. Look closely, however, and you may note that there are here seven large trees, each with a hole in its hollow trunk as large as a boy. These are the seven entrances to the home under the ground, for which Hook has been searching in vain these many moons. Will he find it tonight? As the pirates advanced, the quick eye of Starkey sighted Nibs disappearing through the wood, and at once his sling flashed out. But an iron claw gripped his shoulder. Captain, let go! He cried, writhing. Now, for the first time, we hear the voice of Hook. It was a dark voice. Put back that sling first, it said. It was one of those boys. I could have gotten them. Aye, and the sound would have brought Tiger Lily's men upon us. Do you want to lose yourself? Shall I go after him, Captain? asked Smee. Not now, Smee, Hook said. He is only one, and I want the seven. Scatter and look for them. The pirates disappeared among the trees, and in a moment their captain and Smee were alone. Hook heaved a heavy sigh, and I know not why it was. Perhaps it was because of the soft beauty of the evening, but there came over him a desire to confide to his faithful companion the story of his life. He spoke long and earnestly, but what it was all about, Smee did not know in the least. Later, he caught the word Peter. Most of all, Hook was saying passionately, I want their captain, Peter Pan. He waved his hook around. I've waited long to shake his hand with this. He's the reason I have this hook. And yet, said Smee, I have often heard you say that hook was worth a score of hands for combing the hair and other homely uses. Aye, the captain answered. It is, but ever since that day, I have had a fear of crocodiles. 
There was one there the day this happened, and I think he has followed me around ever since. I have noticed, often, your strange fear of crocodiles, said Smee. Not of crocodiles, Book corrected him, but of that one crocodile. He lowered his voice. It likes me so much, Smee, that it has followed me from land to land and sea to sea. Book sat down on a large mushroom, and now there was a quiver in his voice. Smee, he said huskily, that crocodile would have had me before this, but by a lucky chance it swallowed a clock, which goes tick, tick, inside it. And so before it can reach me, I hear the tick and run. He laughed. Since sitting down, he had felt curiously warm. It's me, he said. This seat is hot. He jumped up. Odds, bobs, hammer and tongs, I'm burning. They examined the mushroom, which was of size and solidity unknown on the mainland. They tried to pull it up and it came away at once in their hands, for it had no root. Stranger still, smoke began at once to ascend. The pirates looked at each other. A chimney, they both exclaimed. They had indeed discovered the chimney of the home under the ground. It was the custom of the boys to stop it with a mushroom when enemies were in the neighborhood. Not only smoke came out of it, there came also children's voices. For so safe did the boys feel in their hiding place that they were happily chattering. The pirates listened and then replaced the mushroom. They looked around them and noticed the holes in the seven trees. Did you hear them say Peter Pan's coming home? Smee whispered. Hook nodded. He stood for a long time lost in thought. And at last, a smile lit up his swarthy face. Smee had been waiting for it. Unroll your plan, Captain. He cried eagerly. To return to the ship, Hook replied slowly through his teeth and cook a large, rich cake of a jolly thickness with green sugar on it. There can be but one room below, for there is but one chimney. The silly moles had not the sense to see that they did not need a door apiece. That shows that they have no mother. We will leave the cake on the shore of the mermaid's lagoon. These boys are always swimming about there, playing with the mermaids. They will find the cake and they will gobble it up and then 
We will have them. Smee had listened with growing admiration. It is the wickedest, prettiest plan ever I heard of, he cried. And in their exultation, they danced and sang. A vast belay when I appear, by fear they're overtook. Knots left upon your bones when you have shaken claws with hook. They began the verse, but they never finished it, for another sound broke in and stilled them. There was at first such a tiny sound that a leaf may have fallen on it and smothered it. But as it came nearer, it was more distinct. Tick, 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 tick. Hook stood shuddering, one foot in the air. The crocodile, <gasps> he gasped and bounded away, followed by Smee. It was indeed the crocodile, and it was after Hook. Once more, the boys emerged into the open. I have seen a wonderfuller thing, Nibs cried as they gathered round him eagerly. A great white bird, it is flying this way. What kind of bird do you think? I don't know, Nibs said awestruck, but it looks so weary, and as it flies it moans, poor Wendy. Poor Wendy? I remember, said slightly instantly, there are birds called Wendy's. See, it comes, cried Curly, pointing to Wendy in the heavens. Wendy was now almost overhead, and they could hear her cry. But more distinct came the shrill voice of Tinkerbell. The jealous fairy had now cast off all disguise of friendship and was darting at her victim from every direction, pinching her each time she touched her. Hello, Tink, cried the boys. Tink's reply rang out. Peter wants you to get Wendy. It was not in their nature to question when Peter ordered. Let us do what Peter wishes, cried the simple boys. Quick! All but Tootles popped down their trees. He had a slingshot with him, and Tink noted it and rubbed her little hands. Quick, Tootles, quick! She screamed. Peter will be so pleased! Tootles excitedly swung the sling. Out of the way, Tink, he shouted, and then he let go. And Wendy fluttered to the ground. Silly Tootles was standing like a conqueror over Wendy's body when the other boys sprang out from their trees. You are too late, he cried proudly. I have defeated the Wendy. Peter will be so pleased with me. 
Overhead, Tinkerbell shouted, Silly boy! and darted into hiding. The others did not hear her. They had crowded round Wendy, and as they looked, a terrible silence fell upon the wood. Slightly was the first to speak. This is no bird, he said in a scared voice. I think this must be a lady. A lady? said Toodles, trembling. And I think we have hurt her, Nibs said hoarsely. They all whipped off their caps. Now I see, Curly said, Peter was bringing her to us, and he threw himself sorrowfully on the ground. A lady to take care of us at last, said one of the twins, and you hurt her. They were sorry for him, but sorrier for themselves. And when he took a step nearer them, they turned from him. Toodle's face was very white, but there was a dignity about him now that had never been there before. I did it, he said, reflecting. When ladies used to come to me in dreams, I said, mother, mother. But when at last she really came, I think I hurt her. He moved slowly away. Don't go, they called to him. I must, he answered shakingly. I am afraid of Peter. It was at this tragic moment that they heard a sound which made the heart of every one of them rise to his mouth. They heard Peter crow. Peter! They cried, for it was always thus that he signaled his return. Hide her, they whispered, and gathered hastily around Wendy. But Toodles stood aloof. Again came that ringing crow, and Peter dropped in front of them. Greetings, boys, he cried, and mechanically they saluted. And then again, there was silence. Peter frowned. I am back, he said hotly. Why do you not cheer? They opened their mouths, but the cheers would not come. He overlooked it in his haste to tell the glorious tidings. Great news, boys, he cried. I have brought at last a mother for you all. Still, no sound, except a little thud from Tootles as he dropped on his knees. Have you not seen her? asked Peter, becoming troubled. She flew this way. Ah, oh, me, one voice said. And another said, oh, what a sad day. Tootles rose. Peter, he said quietly, I will show her to you. 
and when the others would still have hidden her, he said, Back, twins, let Peter see. So they all stood back and let him see. And after he had looked for a little time, he did not know what to do next. He thought of hopping off in a comic sort of way till he was out of sight of her, and then never going near the spot anymore. They would all have been glad to follow if he had done this. Twice did Peter try to speak, and twice he could not. I cannot speak, he said with awe. There is something stays my voice. All looked at him in wonder, save Nymphs, who fortunately looked at Wendy. It is she, he cried, the Wendy lady. See, her arm? Wonderful to tell, Wendy had raised her arm. Nibs bent over her and listened reverently. I think she said, poor Tootles, he whispered. She lives, Peter said briefly. Slightly cried instantly, the Wendy lady lives. Then Peter knelt beside her and found his button. You remember she had put it on a chain that she wore round her neck. See, he said, the rock struck against this. It is the kiss I gave her. It has saved her life. I remember kisses, slightly interposed quickly. Let me see it. Aye, that's a kiss. Peter did not hear him. He was begging Wendy to get better quickly so that he could show her the mermaids. Of course, she could not answer yet, but from overhead came a wailing note. Listen to Tink, said Curly. She is crying because Wendy is okay. Then they had to tell Peter of Tink's trick. And almost never had they seen him look so stern. Listen, Tinkerbell, he cried. I am your friend no more. Be gone from me forever. She flew onto his shoulder and pleaded, but he brushed her off again. Not until Wendy again raised her arm did he say, Well, not forever, but for a whole week. Do you think Tinkerbell was grateful to Wendy for raising her arm? Oh dear, no. Tink never wanted to pinch her so much. Fairies indeed are strange. But what to do with Wendy in her present delicate state of health? Let us carry her down into the house, Curly suggested. I said slightly, that is what one does with ladies. No, no, Peter said, you must not touch her. That, said slightly, is what I was thinking. But if she stays here, Toodles said, she will not get better. 
let us build a little house around her, cried Peter. They were all delighted. Quick, he ordered them. Bring me each of you the best of what we have. Be sharp. In a moment, they were as busy as tailors the night before a wedding. They scurried this way and that, down for bedding, up for firewood, and while they were at it, who should appear but John and Michael. As they dragged along the ground, they fell asleep standing, stopped, woke up, moved another step, and slept again. John, John, Michael would cry, wake up. Where is Nana, John, and Mother? And then John would rub his eyes and mutter, it is true, we did fly. You may be sure they were relieved to find Peter. Hello, Peter, they said. Hello, replied Peter, though he had quite forgotten about them. He was very busy at the moment measuring Wendy with his feet to see how large a house she would need. Of course, he meant to leave room for chairs and a table. John and Michael watched him. Is Wendy asleep, they asked. Yes. John, Michael proposed, let us wake her and get her to make a supper for us. But as he said it, some of the other boys rushed on carrying branches for the building of the house. Look at them, he cried. Curly, said Peter in his most captain-y voice. See that these boys help in building of the house. Aye, aye, sir. Build a house? exclaimed John. For the Wendy, said Curly. For Wendy? John said aghast. Why? She is only a girl. That, explained Curly, is why we are her servants. You? Wendy's servants? Yes said Peter, and you also. The astounded brothers were dragged away to hack and hew and carry. Chairs and a fireplace first, Peter ordered. Then we shall build a house round them. Aye, said Slighty. That is how a house is built. It all comes back to me. Peter thought of everything. Slightly, he said. Fetch a doctor. Aye, aye, said Slightly at once and disappeared, scratching his head. But he knew Peter must be obeyed. And he returned in a moment, wearing John's hat and looking solemn. Please, sir, said Peter, going to him, are you a doctor? The difference between Peter and the other boys at such a time was that they knew it was make-believe, while to Peter, make-believe and true were exactly the same thing. This sometimes troubled them, as when they had to make-believe that they had their dinners. If they broke down in their make-believe, he rapped them on the knuckles. 
Yes, my little man, slightly replied. Please, sir, Peter explained, a lady lies very ill. She was lying at their feet, but slightly had the sense not to see her. He said, where does she lie? In yonder glade. I will put a glass thing in her mouth, said Slightly, and he made believe to do it while Peter waited. It was an anxious moment when the glass thing was withdrawn. How is she? inquired Peter. Said Slightly, this has cured her. I am glad, Peter cried. I will call again in the evening, Slightly said. Give her beef tea out of a cup with a spout on it. But after he had returned the hat to John, he blew big breaths, which was his habit on escaping from a difficulty. In the meantime, the wood had been alive with the sound of axes, Almost everything needed for a cozy dwelling already lay at Wendy's feet. If only we knew, said one, the kind of house she likes best. Peter, she is moving in her sleep. Her mouth opens, cried a third, looking respectively into it. Oh, lovely. Perhaps she is going to sing in her sleep, said Peter. Wendy. Sing the kind of house you would like to have. Immediately, without opening her eyes, Wendy began to sing. I wish I had a pretty house, the littlest ever seen, with funny little red walls and a roof of mossy green. They gurgled with joy at this. Or by the greatest good luck, the branches they had brought were sticky with red sap, and all the ground was carpeted with moss. As they rattled up the little house, they broke into song themselves. We've built the little walls and roof and made a lovely door. So tell us, Mother Wendy, what are you wanting more? To this she answered greedily, Oh, really, next I'll think I'll have gay windows all about, with roses peeping in, you know, and babies peeping out. With a blow of their fists they made windows, and large yellow leaves were the blinds. But roses? Roses, cried Peter sternly. Quickly, they made believe to grow the loveliest roses up the walls. Babies? To prevent Peter ordering babies, they hurried into song again. We've made the roses peeping out. The babes are at the door. We cannot make ourselves, you know, because we've been made before. Peter, seeing that this to be a good idea, at once pretended that it was his own. The house was quite beautiful, and no doubt Wendy was very cozy within, though, of course, they could no longer see her. 
Peter strode up and down, ordering finishing touches. Nothing escaped his eagle eyes. Just when it seemed absolutely finished, there's no knocker on the door, he said. Tootles gave the sole of his shoe, and it made an excellent knocker. Absolutely finished now, they thought. There's no chimney, Peter said. We must have a chimney. It certainly does need a chimney, said John importantly. This gave Peter an idea. He snatched the hat off John's head, knocked out the top, and put the hat on the roof. The little house was so pleased to have such a capital chimney that, as if to say thank you, smoke immediately began to come out of the hat. Now really and truly, it was finished. Nothing remained to do but to knock. All look your best, Peter warned them. First impressions are awfully important. He was glad no one asked him what first impressions are. They were all too busy looking their best. He knocked politely, and now the wood was as still as the children. Not a sound to be heard except from Tinkerbell, who was watching from a branch. What the boys were wondering was, would anyone answer the knock? If a lady, what would she be like? The door opened and a lady came out. It was Wendy. They all whipped off their hats. She looked properly surprised and this was just how they had hoped she would look. Where am I? she said. Of course, Slightly was the first to get his word in. Wendy lady, he said rapidly, for you we built this house. Oh, say you're pleased, cried Nibs. Lovely, darling house, Wendy said, and they were the very words they had hoped she would say. And we are your children, circled the twins. Then all went on their knees, and holding out their arms cried, Oh, Wendy lady, be our mother. Ought I? Wendy said, all shining. Of course, it's frightfully fascinating, but you see, I am only a little girl. I have no real experience. That doesn't matter, said Peter, as if he were the only person present who knew all about it though he was really the only one who knew least. What we need is just a nice, motherly person. Oh dear, Wendy said. You see, I feel that is exactly what I am. It is, it is, they all cried. We saw it at once. Very well, she said. I will do my best. Come inside at once. I am sure your feet are damp. And before I put you to bed, I have just time to finish the story of Cinderella. In they went. I don't know how there was room for them, but you can squeeze very tight in the Neverland. And that was the first 
of the many joyous evenings they had with Wendy. By and by, she tucked them up in the great bed in the home under the trees, but she herself slept that night in the little house, and Peter kept watch outside, where the pirates could be heard carousing far away. The little house looked so cozy and safe in the darkness, with a bright light showing through its blinds, and the chimney smoking beautifully, and Peter standing on guard. After a time, he fell asleep.